I'm Michelle. I'm Rob. And this is Two Two Librarians Librarians Walk Into a Shelf. All right, we are well into October now. It's spooky season. Spooky season, spooky time. So today we're going to talk about some fiction, some spooky, scary fiction that you can find in our collection and not in our collection. We're just going to talk about some favorite spooky, scary stuff. We've got stuff for the longtime horror readers and lovers, and we've also got stuff for people that may not always like scary stuff, but maybe want to try some. Right. Maybe you're thinking about reading something scary for the first time in a while or ever. So you don't want to start off with the wrong book. No, because you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to be terrified by it. Or maybe you do. Maybe you want to be terrified by it, but you want to also be able to sleep at night. (laughs) So what do you got for us? Well, I want to talk about an author. Author's name is Riley Sager. He is uh, new, new to the scary story genre, the horror genre. And currently there are four novels out. Got Final Girls, which is a take on the final girl trope of horror movies. He's got The Last Time I Lied, which is a summer camp story. Lock Every Door. It's the one I haven't read yet. And Home Before Dark, which is like a haunted house book. So I've read Final Girls, The Last Time I Lied, and Home Before Dark. Final Girls is kind of a take on the final girl trope in scary movies. So you've got a group of final girls. And, you know, one one has recently died and possibly in suspicious circumstances so you know you're trying to figure out is someone coming after the final girls or is it just a coincidence and what's going on and it was definitely creepy but that one definitely it's like a you know it's a killer situation it's not a supernatural situation and the last time i lied is a summer camp story girls at summer camp when she's a young teenager and her three bunk mates disappear one night they are never found no bodies, no evidence, no tracks, no nothing. They don't know what happened to them. And she was she did she chose not to go out in the middle of the night with them. And people are trying to figure out if she had something to do with it, if she knows something and she isn't telling. And then as she's an adult, the owner of the camp has decided to reopen the camp that has been closed since the girls disappeared and has asked her to come be the art counselor for the camp. And she decides to go back And she's going to solve the mystery of where the girls have gone. And it's, it's pretty creepy, actually. It's, you know, creepy woods. It's, it's creepy, but not gruesome. And then Home Before Dark is a take on a haunted house story. So the girl, young girl, it starts out with, she's three and she is seeing a man in her house. And her dad eventually writes a nonfiction book about their experience in this haunted house. And as she grows up, And she's an adult telling the story now. She thinks that the whole story was a lie. It was something that he fabricated to sell books. And because she has no recollection of any of anything that happened in the book that she read when she got older. So she goes, she finds out that the house they lived in, she thought they had sold it. The dad had kept it all these years. The dad has died. And now she has inherited this house that has haunted her her whole life because she's the girl in the book. And now she's gone back to this house to like fix it up to sell. And uh, creepy things happen. Sounds good. It actually really was. So recommend those. And they're not gruesome. And they're spooky. And they're scary. But not in a I want to throw this book across the room kind of way. Gotcha. Or like put it in the freezer. Because it can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> like it's, they're not terrifying. But they're spooky and, and creepy. 
So I definitely recommend those for anyone who's looking to get into the spooky, scary genre, but maybe doesn't want to dive into it. Gotcha. Um, I'm also reading The Elementals by Michael McDowell, which is what Grady Hendrix told me I should read. Right. And I'm enjoying that one. It takes place in Gulf Shores. He's an Alabama author. So if you have any connection to that area of Alabama, you'll recognize a lot of the stuff in the book. And um, it's a cre- it's a creepy haunted house story. Yeah, those were huge books when I was a teenager. Everybody was reading those. Okay. So, yeah, those were very popular. And, and he was moving into screenplays okay. and uh, TV and stuff. He would have been huge had he not passed away at the young age that he did. Yeah, that's unfortunate because he wrote Beetlejuice, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, I love that one. And I believe Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, he wrote the screenplay for that. So the book is really good. And it's short. It's not a, it's not a huge time commitment. It's right. a short book. Uh, what do you got? Well, I found a horror novel in our new releases, Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. It's Halloween night, 1963, a Midwestern town, and all the male teens between the ages of 16 and 18 are put up and starved for five days, then sent out into the night with weapons to hunt old hacksaw face. Sawtooth Jack, the October boy. The boys are promised that if they're the one to kill the October boy, their families would be rewarded handsomely and they'll have an opportunity to leave town. The October boy is a living scarecrow with a pumpkin head carved into a jack-o'-lantern face with a pumpkin vine skeleton and a body filled with candy. Pete McCormick is making the run, and he's determined to be the one to kill the October boy. Then he starts learning some disturbing facts about the October boy and the town's harvester guild that presides over the run and last year's winner, Jim Shepard. Dark Harvest is a fast-moving, fun spook fest with an original monster, an engaging plot line, and a pace that just keeps moving. Partridge doesn't waste a word, propelling the action ever forward until the climactic finish at midnight. It does well to capture the feel of autumn in a small Midwestern town and the people trapped in that town. If you're looking for a good quick read with plenty of payoff, and it does have some gory parts, Norman Partridge's Dark Harvest might be your Halloween read. Uh, I recommend it. It's also a good example of a great cover. Oh, yeah, the cover's amazing. That's hidden by all the stickers that we put on the covers <laughs> at the library. But the cover does have some great artwork. It's available in the system. You can put it on hold and pick it up anywhere. I have a couple more recommendations for anyone who might be interested in reading something scary this time of year or their normal reads aren't doing it for them and they think maybe maybe something scary is going to do it. So we've got, there are actually from the YA section, the young adult section. So just in general, young adult novels, they don't get as graphic. They don't get as gory. They, you're a little bit tamer, generally speaking, not always. But they're going to be a little bit tamer than the stuff you'll find in the adult section. So the first one is called Beware the Wild. It's by Natalie Parker. That one is super creepy. High school student in Louisiana loses her brother to the swamp. And in place of her brother, the swamp has returned a sister. The girl realizes that this is she's had a brother. She doesn't have a sister, but the whole town just remembers her sister and doesn't remember the brother. And once the new sister realizes that she's onto her, she you know reveals herself as the monster. And not this is, you know, it's not a spoiler. This is this is book jacket stuff. But it's it's extremely creepy. You know, she lives on the edge of the swamp. You don't go in the swamp. It's like the village. 
you know, the, the spooky story you tell the kids, don't go in the swamp, something will get you. And here's this thing and it's in her house. It's creepy. But like I said, it's not gruesome. So if you're violent averse or blood and guts averse, it's a good way to get some creepy stories into your life. Uh, there's a whole series by Maggie Stiefwater. It's actually one of my favorite series of all time. And I didn't realize that it would be classified in like the spooky, creepy genre, but I love it anyway. It's the Raven Cycle series. It starts with the Raven Boys. And, you know, it's psychics. It's weird magic. It's people coming after you because you have some secret knowledge or whatever. But the last one, there are some definite scenes in that book that are terrifying and she sets it up really well, but they don't, it's, they're short. So you can get through it really quick and you don't have to put the book in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's two series by Maureen Johnson. Her first one the na- starts with the name of the star. It's about the return of Jack the Ripper. And of course, teenage girl who can see the ghosts. Her second series Uh, It's the Truly Devious series, and it's about a serial killer. She's at her boarding school, which lots of YA novels are set in boarding schools because you can remove the parental guidance from the situation. And she's at her boarding school, and she stumbles upon the mystery of the serial killer, and suddenly bad things are happening at the boarding school again. And she's trying to figure out... If it's, is it a ghost? Is it supernatural? Or is it a person? And so they're, they're ghost stories, and they're spooky, and they're creepy, but they're YA, so they're easy to digest. And you've been reading those for a while, right? Yeah, actually. So what I didn't realize was that for I didn't think I read scary things, and I didn't think I was into the genre at all. But as it turns out, some of my favorite things have been in this kind of like borderline was that surprising when you realized that you've actually been reading some stuff that would be considered horror? Actually, yes. Was it? Yes, because <laughs> you, I, I didn't think I was into that stuff at all. You've like always I, told me that you don't like it. I don't. I didn't think I did, and I, maybe I just don't like violent slasher type things. Right. But the spooky stuff is okay. But I definitely I don't want to see gore, and I definitely don't want to see any like what is the what is the genre they call it torture porn? Right. I, None of that. Like you're not into the Saw movies or Absolutely. Absolutely not. So are those books not promoted as horror? Are they more like, do they call them paranormal mysteries or psycho- are, psychological mysteries? Or I think they would be considered paranormal and maybe mysteries. Why it doesn't usually delineate mysteries so much. They just have fiction. Right. But I think they would be paranormal mysteries if they were adult books. And that's the difference because when you don't call it horror – because for whatever reason, people do think when something's horror, it's a guy in a hockey mask. I mean, that's what I think because that's what I watch the most of. But yeah. horror is a lot of things. It is. That's yeah, interesting. It, yeah, and especially um, the Beware the Wild. I read that one a few years ago, and I didn't know how creepy it would be. It just ended up on a list of things, and I thought it sounded interesting. And read that one, and it was super creepy. So uh, there's something else I'm curious about. Okay. If I were to go into your freezer for like a frozen pot pie or something, how many books would be in there? There are none at the moment. <laughs> but that's where you would put them if they got too gruesome. Yes, I would put it in the freezer. Okay. And it's a cue from an old friend's episode. Gotcha. Put Cujo in the freezer. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I was looking for some horror on Hoopla, and there's plenty of horror on Hoopla. I actually found a four-pack of thrillers from one of my all-time favorite writers, Richard Matheson. 
This guy wrote everything from some of the best episodes of The Twilight Zone to some of the best of the Edgar Allan Poe movie adaptations Roger Corman made with Vincent Price. If you don't know his name, I think you're familiar with some of his work, particularly his vampire novel, I Am Legend, which has been filmed three times. The first was with Vincent Price as Last Man on Earth, then Charlton Heston in The Omega Man, and then most recently with Will Smith in I Am Legend. In my opinion, the Price film is still the best. Uh, Matheson wrote the original stories that were adapted into such movies as The Incredible Shrinking Man, Duel, The Legend of Hell House, Somewhere in Time, What Dreams May Come, Stir of Echoes, The Box, and Real Steel, among many, many more. I put Matheson in the same category as Robert Block. He's one of the masters, and everyone else has just been trying to catch up with him ever since. The four-pack of novels I borrowed from Hoopla included I Am Legend, which I've read and reread several times. It also included Someone is Bleeding, Ride the Nightmare, and Fury on Sunday. I started with Someone is Bleeding, which was his first novel. It's about a young novelist named David Newton. Uh, when he meets a mysterious young woman named Peggy on the beach, they hit it off, but Dave soon learns that Peggy might not be truthful with him about some of the details of her past. Jerry, his college rival, who is now a lawyer mixed up with the mob, is the third corner in this weird love triangle. And this is actually turning out to be more of a pulp crime fiction, just like some of the early block novels. Uh, but it plays out like a horror story. At times, it even feels like something supernatural is going on with Peggy. So I, I don't know where it's going to end up. I'm I'm moving through it pretty quick, but I think I'm I'm better than halfway on it. It's uh, fast moving, lean, and in the Matheson style, where you never never get ahead of the story, and that's. That's good storytelling. Yeah. It adds an extra layer of creepy. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a reader of Matheson and familiar with some of his other work, this first novel is a real treat. I wasn't even aware of this one, and I'm really enjoying it. If you're new to Matheson, probably the one I would start with in this four-pack is I Am Legend. It's a good introduction to his work. It's a great vampire story. And it's probably a great spooky read if you're looking for something for Halloween. Tell me how it compared. I, I know that the book and the movie are drastically different. Yes. Tell me how you feel about the movie. Well, the first one with Vincent Price, Matheson actually wrote that under a different name. Okay. So that was probably the one that's closer to the actual okay. source novel. And Vincent Price is great in that one. It was filmed in Italy. It had a huge scope, a, a big look. The Omega Man from 1971 with Charlton Heston was a huge, big studio picture, but that was a Charlton Heston movie. Okay. And they changed a lot, and it was a groovy movie, and it had all kinds of hip stuff in it, and there was a lot of weird religions of the the vampires were this weird cult and hmm. it had a lot of different ideas in it that didn't necessarily come from the novel but i would certainly recommend that that's a, a, a great movie of its time the will smith version <sighs> if you didn't know it was based on the book would you have liked the movie like if, just just the movie itself. Would I have known? Okay, here's the problem I have with the movie. It's just got too much CGI. As soon as I see all those monsters bouncing around, okay, I I can't concentrate anymore. So it takes you out of the moment. It does. Okay. I get fidgety. I'm like, I, I might as well watch cartoons if I want to see this. Uh, Will Smith, I think, 
did a good job with the movie and it has some moments that I like but of the three films uh, I always go back to the Vincent Price one first and then on occasion the Charlton Heston and it's been years since I felt like watching the Will Smith one yeah what about you I, I have seen I Am Legend, the Will Smith movie. I have not read the book or seen the, uh, the earlier adaptations. I thought it was creepy. I saw it when it was new, um, but I didn't think it was a great movie. Yeah. I thought it started off great when he's walking through the uh, city mm-hmm. and there's, what was, was there a lion or tigers? I don't remember. And all the weeds growing through the concrete. You really get this sense that this is whatever happened. It's of an epic scale. Yeah. And it's been, go- it happened a long time ago and this guy survived it. Mm-hmm. But then, then these monsters, these goofy CGI, it just messed it up for me. Yeah. And then the dog. Does that, oh, yeah. does that happen in the book? Yeah. Can't handle that. Yeah, and it happens in the first movie. I don't remember a dog in the a Mega Man. I might okay. have to watch that one again. That that's probably the worst, like the scariest part of the whole movie. <laughs> Not the dog. Not the dog. Ugh, can't handle it. Okay. All right, so I've got one more book to talk about, but I'll tell everybody now this is not a book in the system. This book's not on Hoopla. It's not on Overdrive. It's probably been out of print for 40 years, but I just have to talk about it because of the author. So it might be a cheat me talking about it, but I just have to talk about it. Dennis Etchison is the author of this book, and he was a writer's writer. He knew how to tell a good story. And he was primarily a writer of short stories, but he did write a number of novels, classic novels like The Dark Country and Double Edge, which was a Lizzie Borden story. Early in his career, Etchison actually started writing film novelizations for a number of films made by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, as well as one uh, by David Cronenberg. Novelizations were adaptations of a film script, and for kids whose mom didn't let them see R-rated movies, they were a godsend in helping us keep up with uh, what was happening in current horror movies. That was my introduction to the Adams Family. There you go. So that was my introduction to some of the great stuff that Dennis wrote, like the novelization to The Fog and Halloween 2, Halloween 3, and Cronenberg's Videodrome. He wrote The Fog under his own name, and then he took the name Jack Martin for the novelizations for Halloween 2 and 3 and Videodrome. One thing Etchison did at the time in the early 80s, which has become more popular with writers today, was doing these different novelizations for movies that really weren't related to one another, but presenting them as if they were all from the same shared universe. So in Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with the previous Halloween stories, there's no Michael Myers. It's about a a crazy guy with masks and playing a joke on children. In the novel for Halloween 3, Etchison slips in a cameo by Michael Myers. And then in Videodrome, the Elizabeth Dane, the ghost ship from the fog, shows up uh, in the last chapter in a cameo. So that was always kind of cool when I was young and we would read these books. And then there was a reference to the other books like they all share the same universe. That's cool. Yeah. And you see that a lot now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very popular now. But this was the first time I ever noticed it. And now I I mention this only because the opening prologue of Halloween 2, it's barely a page and a half long. But in that page and a half, Etchison perfectly describes the autumn season, the night of Halloween, how it looks, how it sounds, how it smells. And it instantly, instantly 
connects the reader to the story, plugging you right into the night of horror in Haddonfield, Illinois. It's a perfect assembly of words. It's six paragraphs, 11 sentences, and the reader is living in that damp autumn night of the story with the promise of scares ahead. Etchison passed away at the age of 75 in May of 2019. He worked many years on screenplays that were never made into movies. One was a proposed Halloween 4 with Carpenter and Hill producing. It concerned an all-night horathon at Haddonfield's Lost River Drive-In, where Michael makes an unscheduled appearance and begins slicing and dicing the Passion Pit's young audience. That's certainly not the Halloween 4 that we got. No. <laughs> But this opening prologue is classic. I have friends who read this just to get in the Halloween spirit every year. It's magic. It out Bradbury's Ray Bradbury as far as I'm concerned. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a perfect six paragraphs. Unfortunately, the book's been out of print for almost 40 years. Copies can run anywhere from 80 Dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars online, which is an awful lot for a slim paperback that originally sold for two ninety five. But Ouch. yeah, but if you're looking for a classic read and you're out thrifting and you see a copy, pick it up. Trust me, you will enjoy it. That does. I mean, if you're into that, yes, if you're into that, it sounds really good. Well, that is what we have for some fiction in our collection. If you're looking for a Halloween-themed, spooky, scary read for the month of October, we've got you know stuff here for everybody, for the classic horror, for the new horror, and for the not-quite-so-horror. Right. Uh, so you can find those things in the catalog, put them on hold, and you can pick them up anywhere. Yep. All right. We'll catch you next time. And remember, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.